Hi, and welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're talking to Michelle Herman, who's a therapist who works with the LGBT community and their families. And she's a passionate advocate of the LGBT community. How are you today, Michelle? I'm great, thank you. How are you, Rich? I'm thrilled to be talking to you again. I, I Me feel too. Like, I feel like you're my soul sister in some way. It's so great to have you on the show, so to speak. Thank you, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and so please share with our audience, how did your heart find this work? So um, when I was, uh, I don't know, a little bit after college, I decided to go back to grad school and in grad school, social work, I went for social work and um, second year, you have to choose the placement or you get to choose your top three. And they have like a, a job fair. I was walking through, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something that was different, something that I had never done before. And this amazing woman, Jenny DeBauer, came right over to me and she was representing the center um, in New York City. At that time, it was called the LGBT Center. Now it's just the center. And um, she worked for the, she helped run the youth program and um, taught me about the program. And I immediately fell in love with her. I fell in love with the program, the work they did. Mm -hmm really spoke to, it, it lit up something inside of me. And that was my first choice. And I was fortunate enough to, uh, to get it. And then from there, I stayed on. I worked for a little bit. I supervised other interns. Um, they run an awesome summer camp program, which I stayed on for for two summers. So it was a wonderful experience. Well, I'm, I'm curious, what do, you, what do you think it is about you that was lit up by this, by advocating for people who uh, in so many quarters have not been accepted? That's a great question because I didn't really make the connection until after I was working there that it's probably the LGBT community is probably the, is the only community who doesn't have equal rights right now. And so um, when, when we would learn or teach it to the community, we would really equate it with other, other human rights, like getting married, like mm -hmm. having access to education. Um, so, but what lit up for me at that moment when I met um, Jenny was, um, it was something I had never thought of as its own entity, I guess, um, because I'm cisgendered or straight and I, I came from a, a privileged uh, childhood and I really didn't have um, much awareness or exposure even. So there was just something about Jenny that was so great and something that spoke to me, um, not just about the work they were doing with young people, but about how come people can't just have rights and why is it so hard um, to fight for these rights? Mm -hmm. and, and then through that work, I learned about the importance of being an ally in certain communities. And, and, um, and then through the years, that's evolved into doing I, more And I love this concept of being an ally. You know, we've seen it in so many movements. We see it in black, the Black Lives Matter movement right now. Uh, the, the idea of people who are not being directly impacted by uh, an inequality of some kind, whether it be legal or whether it be institutional, um, having allies in the people who have been benefiting from that inequality. It's, 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 it's so vital in, in societal transformation. It's, it is huge. And, and part of what was so great in working for the youth program was that they did such a great job teaching the staff 
um, mm -hmm. and educating us. So I really did learn. I didn't know what an ally was. Like when one of my projects was to create how to be an ally in public schools, I had no idea how to, how to, where to begin. And that wound up being my thesis in, in grad school was the importance of adult allies in mm -hmm. New York City schools. Because what I found was that, you know, like a really high percentage, 90 something percent of young people came out to an adult in the school where um, they saw like a little rainbow keychain, you know, like in their purse mm -hmm. or a sticker in the classroom, something like that. So that really taught me the importance for um, young people to have that, you know, the adult support system. Mm -hmm. And then I also learned about the importance of allies with communities. So at the time, it was about 20 years ago, um, the analogy given to me was like, you'll know, Susan Sarandon was an ally to, for, you know, um, people who were HIV positive mm -hmm. or in raising awareness around AIDS. Oh, I'm not, I don't, I've never heard of her. <laughs> you I must be so young. Yeah. Yes, great example. Hey, so, so I'm curious, what does it mean for, uh, for children or children, for young people who are still living with their parents you know, what does it mean for them to have an ally and what could parents learn from that? So there are many, you know, most parents I find that I, I work with a lot of young people. And so as a result, I do work with and engage their parents. And I recently started um, a support group for parents of children who are questioning their gender. And um, what I'm finding is that kids, Young people really do have, um, it's important for young people, if you don't have your parents, to have any other adult support role model. Mm -hmm. um, something there's, someone who refers to the term, this guy Scott Freed, as Khmer people, like C-M-apostrophe-M-E-R adults. Mm -hmm. Every young person needs a Khmer adult. So if it's not going to be your parent, I try to be that for the young people in my life. Um, and as a parent, all you could do is really, I know for myself having three children, we always try, we don't like when our kids are in pain or when they're struggling or when they're hurting. And then throw on top of that when they're not going to fulfill our dreams and wishes of mm. who we wanted them to be, right? Okay. Well, we want so, them to be just like us. Right. So a lot of stuff, you know, Which we're human. They never are to begin with. Like they're no. different. And I've learned. The get -go, but, so it's an unfair come from. It really is. And I've learned that each child of my children for me has, has been my own guru, so to speak, and taught me yeah. really valuable things, um, which I really resisted in the beginning. And then when I looked at it like that, I was able to learn. Um, but to get back to your question, I think that young people need a parent to not just solve their problems or not just try to rescue, which I'm guilty of too. I'm working on taking a deep breath and just saying to my child or a child I'm working with, I breathe and sometimes I invite them to join me. And then I say, um, yes, that must, I, I hear you. And I, I hear what you're saying and I hear what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And really just to validate that experience because all young people, all people really just want to be heard mm -hmm. and validated. And so for a parent, you don't have to have all the answers and it's okay. I've had so many parents who just cry um, when their child comes out as trans and then they feel guilty about that and it, it you know, and I, I say, it's okay to just own your feeling and say, okay, I, I, you know, I'm crying now. However, I love you. I love you unconditionally. And we'll, we'll, we'll do this and we'll get through this and we'll be great. And I heard so much in that. I heard so yes. much. Can I reflect back some of what I heard? Please. So I heard that the first thing I heard is that all children, this is probably true for all people, right? They, 
They, they just want to be heard and acknowledged. And the parent doesn't have to agree with the, with the child's, uh, with, uh, I, I hate to use the word choice because it, it implies that it implies- I hear you, I get, I get what you're uh, It implies that when that someone's sexuality is a choice, which it isn't necessarily, but when a parent is confronted with a child who's emerging in their sexuality, let's phrase it that way, they don't have to agree with it even. But, but as a parent, the first highest service they can do out of love is just to hear them, even if they don't agree, just to hear them. Um, even, and it's fascinating to me, that particularly is fascinating to me because I, I, like I go to, I go, I'm a churchgoer and I've, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, no, 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 that's not good. You know, my children shouldn't do that. And then on the extreme end, I haven't met any of these yet, but there are the people who would, you know, have their children kidnapped and reprogrammed. I haven't, I haven't met any people, I don't think yet, who do that. But, you know, there's a whole range of reaction when, when a child emerges in their sexuality. And so I love that the first step is you don't, look, you don't have to agree. You don't have, all you need to do is be there, listen, and let them know that you, that you accept their, the, who they are, even if you don't yes. agree with who they are. I think that's incredibly powerful. And I love also the second part that you can have your feelings like of disappointment or outrage or whatever's going on for you now. Uh, and I, and I'm, curious about this, um, though, I, I'm guessing it's probably not such a good idea if you're not in complete harmony with your child's emergence to do all that in their space. Well, you, you know, we never want to, uh, you know, uh, leak our container onto our children or put our anxiety onto them. Mm. But we're also, and we're also human, right? So sometimes we can't help when a tear comes. Um, and so that's why it's so important. And I try to remind people, including myself, to breathe always before responding to anything your children say to you, um, because it gives you that, that moment um, to ground yourself. Mm. So, and if, if you do, you can only acknowledge and role model for your child what the right thing is to do. So to just, oh, and these are my feelings, they came up, I'm gonna deal with that and that's okay. And you can even say, if you feel it's appropriate, um, you know, it may not have been appropriate to have that reaction or, you know, that reaction was more about what's going on inside of me. And, and I love you and we're going to get through this and I'm going to, you know, get support also. And you're role modeling that you can make mistakes. You're human, you feel, and that the point is really to acknowledge, own it and move forward. Right. Yep. And I think this is like a, this is a great recipe for anything, right? It doesn't have to, whatever your child's going mm -hmm. through. Um, what I what I also especially love about it is, I as a parent, I haven't had any. Well, you know, I, as a parent, I've had some. I've had at least one child make a dramatic choice, uh, or uh, may, maybe it wasn't a dramatic choice, but I've who's taken a dramatic action might be a better way to put it, um, and that I didn't fully agree with. And I've gone through, you know, I went through the whole cycle of um, how could he do this to me? It had nothing to do with me, of course, but how could he do, you know, do this to me? And then I went through being mad at him, that little SOB, how could he do this to me? <laughs> you know? And, um, but, you know, eventually, like, went through all those feelings and not really agreeing with, the, with where he was moving in his life and just completely different subject, I mean, different issue, but same set of feelings. Hello. Right. But in the end, what it came down to is, this is my son. 
I love him unconditionally. I support him in his life. And whether I agree with him or not doesn't matter. We all have the right to follow through on who we're showing up as in the world. And we're all going to learn our lessons about whether that was right or wrong for us along the way. Even, and you know, and the, the sort of the realization was, you know, I don't agree with what's going on here, but I get that it's what he needs to do, where he needs to be with it. And, and in the end, I'm not responsible. I'm responsible for me, right? I can't afford to be like wasting energy judging him. Right? Right. It, just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't go anywhere. The Camille you know? adult. And so I could see how, like, just for the audience, full disclosure, my son made a choice that he wasn't going to be in touch with any of his family members and hasn't, like, none of them hasn't been just on either side. Just, you know, we're all anathema to him. Maybe he thinks we're toxic. I don't know, because he's not in touch with us. But I was like, wow, that's so against my values, which is all about family and building family and, you know, community and all that stuff. But in the, but I could see how if my son came out as queer, you know, some form of LGBT or, or, or trans or whatever, it could be the same thing if I were, if I were, if I were not, if it wasn't in harmony with my values and my beliefs. But in the end, I'd have to come to the same place. I love this child and, and I'm going to support them to the best of my ability. Right. And, and when, if and when they, they come back, so to speak, I'll be here waiting, right? I'm a parent unconditionally. So there are some children who do, um, similarly to your son, need to step away from their parents' belief when they get to a certain age um, and really separate in order to form who they are and be comfortable because they're so, in, in my experience, some of them have been so affected by their parents' um, judgments or feelings or disappointment that they need to do that. Mm -hmm. And so ideally, yes, a parent should um, keep the lines open and be there to catch the child when they come back. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah, this thing of, of of accepting them as whole and complete human beings, all on so them, all on their own, is it is a challenge. Yeah. no matter what. So your my, my mantra, sorry, my mantra with my kids is this is that's that's their journey. Like yeah. when I'm finding myself in that struggle, I have to step back and be like, this is their journey, their karma, their journey. That's a great mantra. I think we can. And that helps me. That. <laughs> <laughs> we can package that. There may be money in that. So a, a parent, a, a there's a parent's who have a child who's emerging in, the, in some form and they're, they're having trouble being accepting of it. What's your best advice to them or what, what steps should they take if they need help is really what I'm asking. So of course, first to breathe, <laughs> like I said earlier. Um, sometimes, you know, I like to connect it to, um, you know, like my dad would have had a really tough time if he would have accepted it all if I married someone out of my religion. Mm -hmm. Right. So some parents do have other things that you can kind of make some sort of analogy that helps it step away from the, the sexuality part or the part that they, they might be struggling with personally. Mm -hmm. um, or some a lot of times it's generational that, you know, parents are trying to learn, but they don't always know. They have some internalized stuff. Like I said earlier, we're all we're all people. Um, but I would really say, you know, re get get support. Um, there are so many, that's why I started this, this group, because I found that there were so many parents who are really spending, and I mentioned to you that I really only charge $20, which is really nothing per couple or individual, um, because I found that parents, specifically parents that I'm working with, are spending so much money 
um, and so many of their resources on their on their children mm -hmm. and getting them support or therapy or hormones and what they need to, that there's no more money at the end of the day or time or energy for the parent. Um, so I found that this group was also part of like giving, I'm a big, um, my podcast is all about tikkun olam, which is the concept of helping to transform the world. Mm -hmm. Some people say repair. I like the word transform better. Um, and so this is part of what I'm doing is I don't think that parents should not have their huge part of the equation. And I don't think that there should, they should not have access to resource. And if you don't want to do and right now with zoom or you're not a group person, there are so many great groups that I'm a part of even just to learn from mm -hmm. on Facebook, parents of trans teens, trans, Jewish and trans, LGBT in Suffolk County. I mean, there's so many and they're really, really helpful. So I would just encourage um, getting support because I've seen major transformations from great parents who just really needed the support and needed to feel that they weren't the only people going through this. And it's, um, a real challenge sometimes what's what's typical of teenage and what is my child going through that's specific to being trans or you know being LGBT and coming out so that's always a, a you know a balancing act as well because a lot of times it's typical adolescent stuff that parents just you know need a little education on mm -hmm. yeah there there is that too Right. So just get, get support and don't, you know, I know there's, there's a, a lot of times shame or feeling alone. Um, take a risk. Your, your child took a risk. And, and if your child came out to you, then you're, you know, that's the, my first indication that you're a great parent, that your child feels like comfortable enough to come out to you and um, take a risk. And if you're someone who's not a group person, step outside your comfort zone, learn from your child and, um, and do something and you know there's always a blessing in in darkness i believe can we go a little dark blessing for a second of course yeah you sure sure all right so let's throw out a scenario mm -hmm. we you know we've got uh we've got a a child who's emerging in a way that the parents not happy really not happy about um what kind of damage can it do to the family if the parents are just in total denial and not accepting? So, you know, when you said go dark, I got nervous. But you know, this, this <laughs> no, is- No, I'm not that dark. Nervous, excited, I didn't know, I didn't know which direction. But this, this is actually reality. This isn't dark that, that, you know, you can, you can Google it, you can look it up and see the statistics that just by being part of the LGBT community, you're already at higher risk of suicide. Um, and so, and, and higher risk for a, a ton of other, uh, high risk behavior. Mm -hmm. So you're at risk. Um, so already there's that, um, if you're not going to help support or encourage your child, they usually, they always will. Everybody has the internet now. Um, they'll, they'll always Google kids. The kids know more than I do. Um, they're finding everything they want to. So either they can find things in a healthy direction um, which usually happens when there's at least one good strong role model, even at school, um, or another adult to go to, or somebody who's non-judgmental. But in those cases where um, young people don't have any support, usually that's when they fall to predators. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I've heard from young young people that they've been on Tinder just trying um, to have anonymous sex. Or when I was doing my internship, it was truck stops, like young people who are 16, mm -hmm. 17, 
were going to truck stops on weekends to explore their sexuality because they didn't have a safe place to ask questions. So that was all they knew. And we know that that doesn't end up well, whether it's, you know, worst case scenario, getting murdered, raped, um, and then there are a bunch of sexually transmitted diseases, mm-hmm. um, not to mention your sense of self and, um, you know, being that I'm not going to go down the dark path, so to speak, but we all know what happens. So any type of support, even just um, giving your kid a website. So I'm hearing loud and clear that the child, there's a lot of negative repercussions on the child. I'm wondering about the rest of the family too. I mean, if, if, if you're in a family where there's a high level of judgment and, and there's alienation going on, what's the message that you're giving to other children in the family? And what happens, I'm just thinking as somebody who works with couples, there's gotta be something that happens in the dynamic of the couple themselves, even if they're in complete agreement about alienating the child and judging them. I'm going back to that earlier reference, um, because they're in sin or whatever the the basis of your judgment is, there's gotta be a message you're giving each other about what you're willing to accept. And like, and the reality is, right, no matter what your religious background, we're all imperfect creatures. You know, we're all going to fall short in some way, no matter what rule book you're playing by. So, that, you know, the message, there's got to be a message that you're giving your partner about, yeah, well, we agree that what he or she or they are doing is not okay. But then there's this, like, there's this unspoken message in there. And I'm wondering if, if, you, if, you, see, if you see that in your work. I do. And that's why the group work and the individual therapy for for parents who might need it is really important Um, or checking in with uh, your your child's therapist. Um, Because a lot of times, yeah, I do see it in couples when they don't agree and that could be really hard where one parent is much more accepting. And those that doesn't usually end well um, for the marriage. And then there are plenty of situations that I see most of the situations where the immediate family is great and accepting, but there's an aunt or an uncle. Um, We find grandparents are wonderful, but there's an aunt or an uncle or a cousin who is, you know, either hurtful or, and, you know, there are some people who just, my advice is as a parent, um, you know, like they say in, um, in the alcohol, in the substance community, fake it till you make it, right? Even as a parent, wherever you are in your journey, when it comes to supporting your kid to the outer world, to your family, to teachers, to out in the public, you need to defend your child to the bone and that's Mm -hmm. that's your job. And it's okay to say things like, this is new for me too, I'm learning, but we we love them no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a woman that I spoke with who was so wonderful, she's a life coach. When her child came out as trans, she was a dean at a religious school. And she said she came into school and sent out an email to everybody right before she came in saying, this is what is going on. And this is new for us. And if anyone has questions, you can come talk to me. And I'm so happy to answer any questions. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm doing this to avoid gossip and to avoid whatever. And I just thought that was so wonderful. She took ownership, she role modeled, and her kid never had a problem and neither did she because people really came and and you know they're always haters right so you do what you always do yeah, I'd so. like to speak to the haters for a second because because honestly as someone who's a who's a church attender I get pushback on my position about people should be free to live whatever life 
yeah. their experience. Let live, right. I'm working really hard on my languaging here. Um, and living as your whole self is, yeah, is what I like. To whatever say. that means to you. And, right. you know, and everyone has has the right to liberty to, to, and learn, to learn whatever that looks like for them. So what I uh, what I want to say for the haters, as you put it, is that um, for, and particularly for people who are coming from a religious background, you know, the reason why forgiveness is such a central theme in pretty much every religion is that holding on to resentment is highly toxic to the person who's having it. Right? It's not toxic to the other people unless you act on it, but it is physically poisoning, emotionally poisoning, and spiritually poisoning. And so the reason why any spiritual leader, including Jesus, since he was the front, on the front burner today, you know, talk, spoke about forgiveness is because it is radically unhealthy for us to live in resentment and anger. Yeah. And so this, this message of loving your children no matter what, even if you don't agree with them, you know, is so vital. And if there's something in the way for any reason, for any reason, um, there's all kinds of recipes out there for how to forgive and how to learn to forgive. And then the second thing I wanna do is, I wanna make sure people know how to find you because I think this work that you're doing is so vital. So yeah, please tell our listeners how they can find you. So you can find me on my um, website, which is uh, Bina, B, um, B as in Bob, I-N like Nancy, A, counseling.com. And that'll um, be in the notes for the video blog and podcast so people can find okay. you. And also your podcast, how can, uh, what's your podcast? Yes, my I, podcast I is, a, I'm, I am about to launch my podcast and um, it's, called Peace, <laughs> it's called Peace by Peace, P-I-E-C-E by P-E-A-C-E. Oh, what a great name. I love it. So um, you want to relaunch. <laughs> and I just wanted to respond to what you just said about, you know, being a churchgoer and letting go. I I um, go to, it's called Chabad, and mm -hmm. it's a traditional form of Judaism where men and women are separate. And um, I asked my rabbi, because this is the work I do, we have a great relationship. You know, what's your stance on, you know, I know, I know what religion says, but what's your stance? Like, could I, you know, and would, could I refer a lesbian couple to our congregation? Um, how would that work? And his response, he just looked at me and said, Half of my congregation drives to synagogue on Sabbath, which they're not supposed to do and I don't approve of. Right. Does that get in the way of them being the type of Jew they want to do? No, be, no. Half of my congregation eats pork or things that aren't kosher. Do I judge them or tell them they can't come because of that? He said, no, that's not my, you know, that's not my place. My place isn't to judge. It's to connect you to Judaism in whatever aspect. Um, you want. So I, that's what I take with me um, from what, or, you know, when people have, have, like you said it earlier, like I, I did a podcast with him, actually, he was my second one. When did God become a bad word? Um, <laughs> I was thinking of that in the beginning when you said, you know, people, when you say church and stuff, there, there are all these emotionally charged things yep. that happen. And so, um, but there are so many religious organizations that are really affirming and open and not, you know, not just tolerant. Yeah, in many ways, I think religions are going to need to start learning from the queer community because it's become such a... Yeah, and, and many of them already... Relationship with God and I associate with other people. Right, um, and, if, and if you're in that religion or if you're in that place, then just find another, another pastor or find another, you know, imam or find another mm -hmm. rabbi. Yeah. 
Right on. I love your rabbi. So the last <laughs> question too. of the show is always, Michelle Herman, what is the legacy you'd like to leave behind? So the legacy I would like to leave behind is, um, is that uh, people really learn and remember, again, when you were talking about resentment and, and anger and forgiveness, that, you know, I was just thinking about how so many people live their lives so stuck in themselves, mm -hmm. for lack of being more eloquent after chatting for 20 minutes. Um, and the world is so much bigger than ourselves. And so the legacy I would love to leave behind is to help transform the world a little bit by working with young people who I believe are our future and teaching them that the world is bigger than yourself and it's important to work on yourself and it's also important to contribute and give back. Mm -hmm. Well, um, that is, that's a great legacy. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much. We, you know, we, we're probably a little over, but it's who's counting, right? It's a podcast, yeah, video, etc. <laughs> it's up to us. Right. Um, I hope that you have a great day and there's so much more that we could talk about. Maybe we get to do that another time. Great. Thank you so much, Rich. Okay. Thanks for the opportunity. A pleasure. Bye-bye.